This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 200 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. We are excited this week that this is episode 200. It's a milestone for us. We've been doing this, I think, since 2011, so that's about six years now. And I want to thank each one of you for uh, for, for joining along with us on this journey and, and for tuning in with us every week. Uh, we've come a long way. If you go back to where we began in 2011 to where we are today, there's quite a, a progression. But as, as a friend of mine recently said, if you're not embarrassed by something you said uh, I, even a year ago, uh, then you're not really growing. So uh, we're excited that you're still with us. And if you're just tuning in or if you're a new listener to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, we want to welcome you and we're glad you're here too. Our feature text this week is Sayings Gospel Q 1149 through 51. And our title is Wisdom's Judgment on This Generation. And uh, Saints Gospel Q 1149-51 states, Therefore also wisdom said, I will send them prophets and sages, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that a setting of accounts for the blood of all the prophets poured out from the founding of the world uh, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, murdered between the sacrificial altar and the house. Yes, I tell you, an accounting will be required of this generation. Our companion texts this week are Matthew 23, 34 through 36. Therefore, I am sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come after, uh, will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, all this will come on this generation. And Luke 11, 49, through 51. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Before we even begin this week, uh, there's three words I want to share with you, and that is context, context, context. As we begin this week, we must not remove this week's saying from its context. And this week's saying has a a long anti-Semitic history with Christians using it to persecute, to marginalize, and to even execute Jewish people. But Jesus was not a Christian. We have to remember, Jesus was a Jew, 
standing firmly in the long line of Jewish prophets who pronounced judgments uh, for societal injustice on their generation. So first, uh, we have to see the Jewishness of this week's saying, and only then do I believe we'll be able to to rightly critique how Christianity has co-opted this week's saying and, and, and I believe sorely abused it. So we must also keep in mind that Matthew and Luke's versions of this saying were both written after the catastrophic events that took place in their generation in Jerusalem. These are post-trauma writings designed to explain and and understand. It was them searching for a way to explain and understand what had just happened for the Jewish people. And I, I don't believe that the Romans destroyed Jerusalem because the Jews rejected Jesus as their Messiah. I believe that all human civilizations uh, give themselves an expiration date when the elites, uh, when those abuses, the abuses by the elites of the, the proletariat become the policy of, of their day. Social abuse eventually catches up with us, and all empires that become characterized by exploitation and economic disparity, they eventually meet their demise, and people long abused do rise up, and revolutions occur, and power shifts, and, and the path toward this end for Jerusalem that would later happen also with Rome uh, is, is what we're witnessing in this week's saying. And we know from Josephus that ultimately the lower poorer classes in, jo- in Judea and Galilee, they did rise up and they violently revolted. There was a violent revolt. Um, and first, they revolted against the oppression from their own people, and they, and they took over the elite centralized control of the temple, and then they revolted against Rome in the Jewish-Roman War. And this overreach led to Rome's inhumane backlash in the annihilation of Jerusalem. So in this week's saying, Jesus warns that if if the people continue their socioeconomic exploitative path, uh, then just as the prophets had warned before him, that generation would see catastrophic results. And that, that, that adds a lot more context to our saying this week. This week's saying connects us with the Hebrew economic prophets like Isaiah and Amos and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, uh, who were also rejected and in some cases murdered because of their societal critiques. Uh, here in America during the 1960s, we saw a similar history of, of repressing calls for change uh, from those voices threatened that those voices that threatened the status quo, and, and those in positions of power and privilege um, silenced those voices. Some historians refer to the '60s as the era of assassinations. Uh, among those who were murdered uh, were President John F. Kennedy in 1963, uh, Malcolm X in 1965, Dr. Martin Luther King in 1968, and our world has a long history of removing uh, those who threaten our societal structures and the exploitation and injustice that those structures enable. Jesus's societal structure had its own victims. His own time and place, there were it, it possessed its own victims, as ours does too. His generation was, once again, rejecting the call to change. And Jesus was about to have his name added to the long list of prophets and poets who, were, who weren't afraid to, to name the oppressions of their time and, and to stand in solidarity with those being marginalized and subjugated, even if they ended up losing their life for, for the dream of a world that is a safe, just, compassionate home 
uh, for us all. In the Hebrew scriptures, Abel is the first voice in the narrative to be silenced. He represented the nomadic class in the Mediterranean, Middle East, and Northern Africa, and his social group was was a minority. They, they were the itinerant shepherd wanderers who moved from place to place as herdsmen. And Cain, Abel's brother, he belonged to a larger, more established, more powerful class of, uh, of tillers of the soil. And they represented those who, who sought to control land and control the ownership of land because of their need to, to work the land. And they were the ones who chased off vagabond herdsmen like Abel. And in a time when, when civilization transitioned from wandering hunters and gatherers to more centra- centralized and localized cities, the tillers of the ground, they were the, <clears throat> the pivotal population. And Abel would have represented the people who were being oppressed by the tillers of the ground. And, and at the end of the story, Cain is made to wander like his brother, to learn what the wanderer's life was like. And his banishment gives him firsthand knowledge of what it's like to walk a mile in the shoes of those whom whom society was pressing down so that others might find a way up. And if you'd like more information on on this way of understanding or or interpreting uh, uh, the Cain and Abel story, you can look at an article that I wrote back at the end of 2014. It's entitled No More Sacrifice. You can find it on on our website under the e-sites, or you can listen to that podcast, but I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site also. Now, excuse me, thousands of years later, and that's where Jesus ends up in this saying, we come to Zechariah, and he's the last prophetic voice in the Hebrew Masoretic text to to be silenced for speaking out against those in positions of power. And the the Masoretic collection of Hebrew scriptures ends with 2 Chronicles, and you can see in 2 Chronicles 24-20. But Zechariah's history also is complex, and so is the political agendas of the, the narratives that his name is mentioned in. So, But for our saying this week, it's enough to recognize that he was one of the bookends of those within Jewish history who had the, the courage to critique those in power. As 2016 closed, the book on my nightstand was My Sister, My Brother, Womanist Nexus, God Talk by Karen Baker Fletcher and Garth Cosmo Baker Fletcher. And in the chapter entitled Womanist Reflections on Jesus as Dust and Spirit, Karen writes, the only way to erase those who have died unjustly is to erase memory, but not even memory can be erased permanently. And that's on page 90. It's important to remember and never forget the, the the names of those who have given their lives to the work of transforming our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for us all. And author Susan Jacoby, she tells us that early 19th century, century freethinkers, they observed the birthdays of freethinkers in the century before them as a ritual that, that shaped them and inspired them to, to continue the, the causes and dreams of those who who had traveled the path before them, and they remembered them together. A friend of mine, Charlie Craybell, he curates the, the Marginal Mennonite Society in New York, and one thing I appreciate about uh, MMS is their continual work to keep alive the memory of Mennonites as well as other historical figures who have uh, worked toward societal transformation, not just Anabaptists, but, but people across the entire spectrum of humanity um, who have worked toward societal transformation, and they 
they continually commemorate the dates on which Anabaptists were executed in the 1600s and the dates on which relevant historical figures uh, were either born or, or, would, or they died. And this is a way, I believe, of keeping both their memory and our common work uh, alive. Karen Baker Fletcher, as a Christian womanist, reflects on Toni Morrison's text, Beloved, and its character's belief that Jesus is the greatest ancestor. Whoever Beloved is, Stamp Paid observes that she is a reminder that people who die bad won't stay in the ground, not Jesus Christ himself. Reflecting African pre-Christian and African-American Christian worldviews, he suggests Jesus is one of many who will not stay buried because they have died violently. Jesus is one of millions of persecuted ancestors who lives in the margins of everybody or of everyday consciousness. Moving beyond Morrison's text, one might consider that the ground itself will not hold the blood of murder. Just as the earth cried out for Cain's slaying of Abel, so it continues to cry out across the centuries against injustice. Christian womanists might argue that in the ancestral community of Moses, Zipporah, Jethro, Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Sojourner Truth, Christ perfectly embodies the power of the God of Moses, I am being itself. Jesus Christ, as the greatest of the ancestors, sustains community. And that's uh, page 91. Keeping alive the memories of those who have died violently at the hands of unjust systems throughout Scripture and history, and and remembering not just the Hebrew prophets, but also more contemporary figures and, and Jesus as the greatest of them, I believe can impact how we engage even the ritual of things like communion. Communion is a, a shared meal around an egalitarian table, not a hierarchical structure as in it, it, it's the case in too many churches today. It's not a, a social pyramid or an exclusive circle, but, but a shared table where we keep alive the memory of those who have been broken and spilled out by unjust systems. And the ritual motivates and it shapes us today. The very elements of the broken bread and the spilled wine, the, the food that we share with each other, Uh, I think could be reclaimed into a very powerful transforming ritual of memory. And and while we're talking about memory, let me also talk about what it means to co-opt or co-opting memory. Lastly, this week, I want to talk about... um, a memory that has been specifically co-opted. We spoke last week of unjust systems that make memorials to those who they have killed. And making memorials, again, is much easier than doing the hard work of actually transforming our world. And there's a difference between us keeping alive the memory of those who have gone before us in the work that we're engaged in and the systems we're seeking to change, co-opting the memory of those that it has executed. Vincent Harding's book, Martin Luther King, An Inconvenient Hero, is a great read on how the United States has done this with the memory of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Day is complicated. On the one side, we see the work of those uh, such as Coretta Scott King who, who want to preserve Martin's memory. And on the other side, we see the system that King critiqued, co-opting him while keeping the changes that he called for at arm's length. During his lifetime, King called for an abandonment of capitalism and a move toward democratic 
democratic socialism. He called for the rejection of militarism and violence as the weapons of a global economic capitalist agenda, and he, he fought tirelessly against systemic racism in its many forms. And the FBI deemed him to be the greatest domestic threat to America, and yet today he is one of America's heroes. And not much has changed economically since the days of King's critiques, and, and precious little has changed racially. Yet King is memorialized by a government that would still be voicing the loudest criticism of him if he were still alive. And I do believe that King should be kept alive in our memory as one of our great transformative ancestors. But I also believe that his memory has been co-opted by the very system that he sought and failed to change. The next time social protest erupts, watch how quickly critics pull Dr. King off the shelf and try to silence those who are speaking out. Martin Luther King Day has just been celebrated by the most violent, militaristic, and capitalistic power on the globe. And the wealth disparity between the rich and the poor, between the white people and the people of color, it continues to grow steadily. And last week and this week's saying, I think gives us much to consider Consider today. Sayings Gospel Q 11, 49 through 51 again. Therefore, also wisdom said, I will send them prophets and sages, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that a settling of accounts for the blood of all the prophets poured out from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, murdered between the sacrificial altar and the house. Yes, I tell you, an accounting will be required of this generation. Heart Group application this week. This week, I'd like you. Uh, as a group, to read uh, this article published first in, in uh, uh, 2013, it's, it's entitled, Now That He Is Safely Dead, Silencing the Voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, and I want you to use this as the foundation for your, the, this next exercise. And I'll put a link to the article in, the, in our e-site this week so that you can access it easily. But number one, after reading the article, I want you to discuss this article with your group. And number two, I want you to discuss specifically how the article relates to last week's saying and this week's saying, and, and what the possible applications are to events that are transpiring in our world today. And I think this article is going to give you a lot of, of food for discussion, a lot of material for discussion. And, and what new, number three, what new ways of perceiving has this exercise awakened for you? And and don't forget, what actions do you feel called to engage in now? And pick one of those actions and, and do it this week. But again, I'll put a link to the article I want you to read and discuss in uh, this week's uh, e-site. Wherever this week, uh, wherever it finds you, uh, press close to your community. Uh, remember, we're in this together. And as we preserve the memories of those who've gone before us, and these memories spur us on to action in our lives to get today. Um, together, we can sustain the work that I believe is needed to make those changes happen. Thank you so much for checking in with us this week. Keep living in love. Keep living in justice, faithfulness, mercy, transforming our world in both small and large ways into a safer, more compassionate home for us all. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.
Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that are, are we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those already supporting our work, again, thank you. Together, we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.